and welcome to Film Fam Inspired by True Events. I'm Heather, married to Brian, mother to Zoe, still still mother to her. Comma, I'm Brian, father to Zoe, husband to Heather. Comma, and I'm Zoe, daughter to Heather and also to Brian. We are the Greys and we're your Film Fam. Today we are talking about Mean Girls. Woo! The <laughs> Wait, the movie or just the concept of Mean Girls? Yeah, both, both of those. Things. Yeah, it's uh, 2004, created by Tina Fey and uh, starring Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams and Lizzie Kaplan. And beautiful Amanda Seyfried in her, I think, film debut. Oh, was it? Yeah. I heard that she was maybe going to be cast as... Yeah, she um, was... It was like really a toss-up between her and Rachel McAdams for Regina... They said oh. that they said that um, Amanda Seyfried was like more frightening but less intimidating. She was more like ethereal, which I see. It's the big eyes. Yeah, for sure. I I envy her life. Did you read? There was like an article about how she like just is on like a farm now in upstate New York when she's not in movies and she's like just like herding sheep and so like that's the life I want to live. Like oh, I'm just gonna herd sheep until I'm like in Mank. <laughs> Yeah, I sent that to you and was like, look at this girl's life. I love her. Plus Veronica Mars. You need to take some working vacations at the McGuire farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work on herding sheep. Well, I remember, yeah, when I was on a farm, I was a small child. And my job was just to feed the goslings, which I feel like was an evil job to give me. Because (laughs) I feel like we've talked about this in our our mini-sub with Caitlin. Like, geese are evil and they will try to, like... Not kill you, but like like, girls. You weren't just feeding them. You were taming (laughs) them. They were supposed to get used to eating out of your hand so they wouldn't be aggressive. Which is what we should do with girls. Right. So that's a good segue into girls are the same. (laughs) Yes. They're just like geese. They're dangerous. Until you feed them by hand (laughs) (laughs) and they get tamed. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like I do not remember when I first saw Mean Girls. I honestly don't have any memory of that, but I did see it and I have seen it multiple times. And That's one of the movies I think like all my friends have seen. Like, I don't remember when I watch it because it's just like so, because I was, I was like two when it came out. So by the time I was even a preteen, like it was just so canonized um, in the public consciousness as like, this is like everyone quotes it, you know. It's very quotable. Yeah. On Wednesdays, oh, sure. we wear pink. The thing about uh, uh, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. That, yeah. Everybody says that. I mean, maybe we don't remember because you were like three years old when this came out. So you know, your lives we're, were just like a big blur <laughs> of sleep deprivation and child rearing. Yes. I don't remember seeing the movie in theaters, um, but I do remember actually where I bought the book that the movie is based on. And it was at a bookstore in Santa Monica on the Third Street Promenade. So weirdly, I actually remember, I actually remember like grabbing the book out of the shelf and everything because, you know, oh no, I'm a parent of a, I have a daughter. I need to like learn about all these things that are, you know, I want to be a good parent and know all these things. And so I actually did read this book and some of the other books that came out um, at the time that were also about. There were like Odd Girl Out and um, I can't remember all the other ones, but all these books about like the problem of teenage girls. So did you read the book before the movie came out or did you read like because yes. of the movie? Okay. No, no. It was only out of like two or three years before the movie, right? Yes. Right. So Mean Girls was inspired. It is based on a true story. Many true stories uh, told to 
an author, Rosalind Wiseman, and she gathered all of these stories together and wrote a psychology self-help nonfiction book called Queen Bees and Wannabes. And it's like billed as a book for parents of adolescent girls to help them navigate cliques and like girl bullying. And she was an educator and a consultant who had like a business of going to schools and helping them with like girl problems. Like, oh, we have mean girls and cliques and bullying. And she would come in and like talk to the girls. That was her job. So many of the scenes and even some of the dialogue in Mean Girls is taken directly out of this book. Like the, on Wednesdays we were wear pink or like gathering all the girls in the gym and asking them to like close your eyes and like raise your hand if you were ever bullied. Now open your eyes. Oh, we were all bullied. And you know, and then also the, like the three-way phone call where like, you get a friend to trash talk right. a second friend while the second friend is like secretly listening. Those are all anecdotes that she had in her book. That's just crazy to me. Like maybe, okay, so I didn't, for our listeners, in case you don't know, like I didn't go to school, but like I've been around mean middle schoolers at least, but the the idea, like that just seems so like, juvenile like it seems I guess it is is, but that is so adolescent (laughs) well yeah so Zoe uh, was homeschooled all the way K through 12 until she went to college all the way uh, baby (laughs) she's a little Katie (laughs) you're Katie yeah I guess so (laughs) (laughs) I will say I want to say Oh, it was so hard for me to research this because going back and and looking at that book, Queen Bees and Wannabes again, um, I have some real problems with it. There, yeah, there's some fundamental problems with the true events <laughs> that this movie is based on. So here's some quotes, like the main quote at the beginning of the book. It says, welcome to the wonderful world of your daughter's adolescence, a world in which she comes to school one day to find that her friends have suddenly decided she no longer belongs or she's teased mercilessly for wearing the wrong outfit or having the wrong friend or branded with a reputation she can't shake or pressured to conform into conforming so she won't be kicked out of the group. Your daughter's friendships are the key to enduring adolescence as well as the biggest threat to her well-being. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Implied dun, dun, dun. I tell you, I, I, I actually, I think I would have loved for one day to, uh, for, for people uh, finally, to decide that I don't belong, because that would indicate that they thought I did belong at some point before that. Oh. Burn on yourself. I burn myself. Um, it says, in this candid, insightful book, Ro- Rosalind Wiseman dissects each role in the clique, queen bees, wannabes, messengers, bankers, targets, porn bystanders, and more. Uh, every, girls, am I right? Every role in a clique, the queen bee, the wannabe, the treasurer, the secretary, the note taker. <laughs> the party planning committee leader. I'll be the chauffeur, I guess. The assistant to the queen bee. Yes. <laughs> so the book spends a lot of time discussing the specific roles that Wiseman says that girls play in clicks. And Zoe, even though you didn't go to school, you have a little bit, you know, you've had friends. <laughs> We can, we can talk about that time that I was bullied that one time. There was a sure, one, but we can also <laughs> yeah, but you, we can also talk about like normal good friendships that you've also yeah. had. That's true. I can figure out you have had some of those. I can figure out who's the banker in my normal friend group. <laughs> so 
the leader of the girl clique is called the Queen Bee, and in Mean Girls, she's played by Rachel McAdams, uh, Re- Regina George. And I'm not going to do a ton of reading, but a little bit. So uh, Wiseman describes the Queen Bee as the girl whose popularity is based on fear and control, a combination of the Queen of Hearts and Alice in Wonderland and a Barbie. That's actually, I like that um, description, the Queen of Hearts. Like there's something like <laughs> almost unhinged to it. I something I found out was that the uh, some of like Tina Fey's like instructions to Rachel McAdams of like what to base her character on. She had her listen to like a lot of like angry punk music or something, and told her to study um, Glengarry Glenn Ross. <laughs> 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 like literally, like like read that. That is like a foundation for your character, which is for her incredibly frightening. Yes, and you know. That is basically, you know, a grown man, uh, a powerful, scary grown man is the power, apparently, of a teenage girl. I mean, in this book, she's talking about girls who are like 13 years old as well. Um, the next girl is the sidekick. And in Mean Girls, that's Amanda Seyfried's character, Karen. She is the girl who's closest to the queen and will back her no matter what. And she dresses the mo- in the most identical clothes to the queen and shares her mannerisms and style and they work together and she's like the sidekick in bullying. Is she like- maybe hoping that like she's in position if uh, if, if the queen like gets hit by a, a bus or something, <laughs> then she can be the queen? Yeah, she, she feels like power in proximity to power. I always felt like Gretchen was more of the second in command because Karen is just so stupid. Like, like Karen's whole thing is just being like an idiot. But well... Uh, I feel like Her, uh, Gretchen is the banker, oh, right? She okay, has everybody's okay. secrets, and that's why her oh. hair is so big, because it's full of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's no way we're going to be able to talk about this without at some point talking about Heathers, because it's yeah. just, it's not just Heathers, but it's it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like just Heathers, but without like the murder stuff. Right, it's going over the same landscape as Heather's, the same tropes. So the third girl is the banker, and that's Gretchen, played by Lacey Chambert. And she, so this is the banker, information about each other is currency in girl world. The banker creates chaos everywhere she goes by banking information about girls in her social sphere and dispensing it at strategic intervals for her own benefit. Uh, if a girl has said something negative about another girl, the banker will casually mention it to someone in conversation because she knows it's going to create conflict and then strengthen her status as someone in the know. That's a specific kind of girl, apparently. I have <laughs> is the banker problems with this. Oh, I'm glad you're starting to have problems with this. <laughs> I just doesn't that just seem like maybe that's just a thing that some maybe kind of like insecure, damaged girls might do but it's not like a it's not like a you know go on (laughs) you mean there's not just like a specific girl who like (laughs) there's five types of girls and one of them's like (laughs) i'm the banker (laughs) i know your secrets (laughs) yes um they say that the banker is almost as powerful as the queen bee but she's more secretive and withdrawn oh that would be me Yeah, I mean, you're clearly the banker in this. In this family? family. I'm the most powerful, but you wouldn't know it. It's because of all the gossip you hoard in your beautiful hair. (laughs) As the the pandemic has gone on, uh, I have not cut my hair in the past year. And uh, now it's down 
basically to my shoulders, and uh, it contains many secrets. Yeah, about the our dogs and cats. <laughs> <laughs> Any everything that's inside the house, my hair knows about. Okay, so the fourth girl in the clique is the wannabe, and in Mean Girls, I think that's kind of played by Katie, uh, Lindsay Lohan's character. But first, like she starts on the outside. She's one of those like I'm not like other girls. Girl. She only hangs out with the clique at first to get info on them, and then she kind of more becomes the wannabe, and then she becomes like a queen bee herself. And so the wannabe is like, or other girls' opinions and wants are more important than her own. Her dress style friends and uh, constantly change according to the group. She can't tell the difference between what she wants and what the group wants. She's desperate to have the right look. She stops doing things because she fears the clique's disapproval. Um, she loves gossip. So that's the, the wannabe kind of seems pretty terrible and a pretty shitty name. I <laughs> like, mm. oh, you want to be friends? What a bitch. <laughs> I, can't. Well, I, mean, uh, I think she had the, um, the title of the book first and then the B part is, uh, you know, it mirrors it. And then she had to work that into the names of two of the four types of people. Queen bees, wannabes. And then banker bees. Bank honey bees. <laughs> Worker bees. bees. <laughs> Flow bees. <laughs> Not to talk about boys in our girls edition, but do Go they ahead. have this for dudes? They're like no alpha jock dude. Dude who wishes he was as cool as that other dude. Dude who just knows everything about everyone. I don't, it just seems <sighs> yeah. low key. I th- uh, misogynistic, even though I think they're maybe trying to help girls. This feels... I'm I'm not super on board from what you've told me so far. That's my plan. Well, I tell you, I definitely wanted the uh, recognition and the popularity of the uh, of the most popular guys, but I re- I was not willing. I, I recognized what it would take, uh, you know, like being social and friendly and and actually <laughs> actually making friends and stuff. I, I I couldn't bring myself to do it. You were not a wanna bro. Wanna bro, queen bro, <laughs> queen bro, baker bro, side bro, wanna bro, Warner Bros, honey bro. Um, I changed schools a lot when I was growing up, and I was always like, at this school, I'm gonna be the popular kid. And then, like halfway through fifth period, I raised my hand 15 times to talk about like some obscure art book with the teacher, and everyone was side eyeing me, like, no, you're really not. That's the really fun thing about college is that like since I'm at such a big school, almost every normal class, I have like a completely new teacher, completely new group of people. So every time I'm like, okay, this time I'm really just going to show up and be like the class clown. Like I'll just like lounge back in my chair like Val Kilmer and Real Genius. I'll just be that kind of like goofy dude. Yeah. And then same thing. I'll be like teacher call on me um and and answer every question <laughs> totally hermione yeah, yeah hermione, I mean, hermione. hermione b <laughs> okay so the last type of girl is called the target so, <laughs> so that's not very person fun who gets bullied right and that can be anyone outside of the group or inside the group um in mean girls we see janice ian played by lizzie kaplan yes. she was a target and then Katie became a target. Like Regina George, we know that she's targeted other people. So Regina herself often the, becomes a target, low key. Right. And the target is the victim set up by the other girls to be humiliated, made fun of, and excluded. And Heather's, that's Martha. 
Heather's, oh, yeah. I'm convinced have, Mean Girls is just Heather's if they hadn't accidentally killed anyone. Like, <laughs> like the plot of Heather's could have continued super parallel to this if they hadn't accidentally killed someone. I have a little uh, scene from Mean Girls um, where they meet the plastics that I'm going to try to play the sound for. We're not going to do the thing we did for Jaws where you guys just read the script because I thought that was great. Oh, that is fun. <laughs> uh, I don't have it for this. But the, listen to how mean Janice Ian is being, which is fine. Yeah. But yeah, she well, I could talk about Janice. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> so here's this scene. Of all that is holy, would you look at Karen Smith's gym clothes? Of course, all the plastics are in the same gym class. Where are the plastics? They're teen royalty. If North Shore was Us Weekly, they would always be on the cover. That one there, that's Karen Smith. She is one of the dumbest girls you will ever meet. Damien sat next to her in English last year. She asked me how to spell orange. <laughs> and that little one? That's Gretchen Wieners. She's totally rich because her dad invented toaster strudel. Gretchen Wieners knows everybody's business. She knows everything about everyone. That's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets. Hey, hey, hey. Um, what's happening? And evil takes a human form in Regina George. Well, I'll be fooled, because she may seem like your typical selfish, backstabbing, slut-faced hoe bag, but in reality, she is so much more than that. <laughs> so yeah. awful. Man. Yeah. Like, there's all these great characters, and there's all these great actresses, and there, there's a lot of interesting things going on. And I think because it's based on this book, there is, and the author says she's a feminist, but I think there is an underlying conservative worldview about yes about women that comes through in the movie so first of all she writes this book um and it gets really popular the thing was a lot of the things were actually specifically from this book so i'll read a little bit you know like the rules of the click um here's this is actually a quote from the book uh she says there are seven of us and there can only be seven i mean we have kicked people out for breaking the rules and only then can we add someone. We have rules about what to wear. You can only wear your hair up, like in a ponytail, once a week. You can't wear a tank top two days in a row. You can only wear jeans on Friday and that's also the only time you can wear sneakers. If you break any of these rules, you can't sit with us at lunch. So it's like that whole scene mm-hmm. where they're telling her and we we wear, on Wednesdays, we wear pink. It's that that exact scene is a pretty much a, a quote from the book. And what they take from that is like, look how crazy this is. Look at these clicks and how powerful. Right. But the real, so there was an article that came out before her book came out that talked about these same things. They interviewed her and they interviewed that girl who that quotes from and her mom. And they, they hung out with her and this girl, she's a, she's a Jewish girl who's like really popular and like just really on and like really friendly, but also has this click. And the girl and her mom Um, they talk about, they said the business with the rules where you can wear on a given day of a week and all that. As a child, her mom said she made up games with such elaborate rules, I'd be lost halfway through her explanation of them. Besides, there was a good deal of upheaval in her early life. Her mom left her, quote, goofy artist husband when when the girl was three. And after that, they moved around a lot. And when the mom went to work, she was traveling all the time, getting home late. When I was on the road, I'd call her every night at eight and I'd say, sweet dreams, I love you, good night. Always in that order, the girl says, always at eight. I don't like a lot of change. 
And they make a point that the reason she has all these rules is it's personal to her because she grew yeah. up with a lot of like chaos and fear about not having her parents around and like having these rules make her feel safe. And she understands that it's like a kind of neurotic. So this is not something to generalize about how girls about are. Women. It's actually, a, yeah, right, right. Right. And, um, Oh, also the, uh, the gathering in the gym after the riot, right. you know, that, that scene, um, that's actually a true thing that happens. And they, in that Rosalind Wiseman would go around to schools and she would have these lectures called apologies day. <laughs> which i'm already really upset about aka airing our dirty laundry day yeah and let's make all the girls apologize to each other for every little thing they've done because how dare they not be nice all the time uh, yeah, that's just, just the like worst that is not anything that any teenager would want to do or really take seriously honestly i mean like i don't right. see that helping conflict and i can see it starting it well, it says the goal of this lecture was to make middle school girls be nice to each other. Okay, first of all, that's just an impossible ask. Like, middle school is hell. Everyone knows that. Like, you're going through just, like, the worst. And I don't think that, like, a guest lecturer coming in and telling you to apologize to people is really going to help that. Well, and also, like, not middle school everyone. Middle school girls, we right. got to make sure you're being right. nice. And this is what you know, this, this book was like really, really concerned about girls aren't being nice. So one more thing that I know was real was like the three-way calling thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that is something that girls were doing at that time in the early 2000s. And when uh, Wiseman says, haven't I told you girls are crafty? Haven't I told you girls are evil? Oh my God. About that. She said, she called, she straight up called girls evil? Uh, well, I mean, I think she's like, we need to take these girls and their meanness so seriously, even though they're 13, and what we need to do is blame them for it yeah. and then tell them they also have the power to change it and not really look at it in this kind of at all structural, societal way. Just like, hey, girls, sort yourself out. Uh, but the idea that like girls and women are terrible to other women, it just isn't borne out in studies. And this book that she writes is based on anecdotes that she she gathers in schools. It's not based on any kind of studies that people might do. So there's lots of anecdotal evidence because we're being told like girl, these girls you're being so mean, you have clicks, you're doing bad things. So people like see what they're told to see. I I took a, a psychology class, like an adolescent psychology class last semester, and I think the the difference is, at least part of what I learned, is that like girls are more likely to use relational aggression, which is this like non-physical violence. It can be a gossip or like lies or whatever, um, like intentional exclusion, stuff like that to get their aggression out. And boys also do that, but also are but are like more likely to use physical stuff. But the reason why is not like that's inherent to women or something it's because like sometimes people just want to hurt people and in a like the microcosm of boys the thing that is like really valued is like your like independence and like supremacy in that way your and, masculinity right and so the way to tear people down is to like physically assert your dominance and in girls it's a 
just because of culture um a lot about like your social bonds are what are really important to you not like this is obviously generalized generalizing but like and so the way to hurt people might be to fuck with their social bonds but there's no in no way are girls more aggressive and who knows so you are getting exactly to what (laughs) i want to say yeah yeah so why do we think that women and girls are mean in some kind of special way that men and boys aren't? And I think, and not just me, but we have different expectations for girls and women. So girls are expected to be helpful, warm. We're expected to put other people's needs before our own. We're supposed to be nice. And these double standards tell us that uh, when a girl isn't able or doesn't prioritize like everybody else's feelings and that when she isn't just the sweetest and nicest, then she is mean. But boys, when they're competitive, they're just, they're rewarded. When girls are competitive, they're called bitches. Right, the amount of times that boys like walk around calling each other like pussies or whatever and it's not like, oh, he's such a mean bully. Like even if it is hurtful, it's we just see it so differently. Yeah, I think maybe maybe the worst thing about this movie is the title. Because there, there are lots of movies out there where boys are horrible to each other. It's placed in a context of a bigger story. And they don't name the movie after that. They just tell their story. And I mean, we, we don't tell the stories of girls being mean to each other uh, at the same rate. So we do. It, like, it has to be... That, that, that's the identity of that phenomenon instead of it's just... Some people are mean, and it's in the context of a bigger plot. Well, right, because it's based on this book, which tries to make the point that teen girls are, like, mean. And there's all this hand-wringing and, like, pressure to force girls to be nice. It's like there's this heightened sense that there's just something terribly wrong if girls aren't nice, because that's what's important about girls. And it's divisive. Uh, you, you look at something like Stand By Me, and they are thinking about mean that. to each other throughout the movie in a way that it's assumed it brings them closer together yeah, as conflict friends. with boys is normalized. Yeah. Well, and But with girls, if they're mean to each other, it pulls them apart. It means they can't be friends. And we talk about it so differently because like with Stand By Me, like even when we are having conversations about it and we're like, that's not good. Like they're learning like toxic masculinity from one another and like maybe it actually would be better for their their relationships if they weren't calling each other pussies all the time and like instilling that like fear in one another but we have those conversations where even though like mean girls didn't come out i mean what like 17 years ago and like from tina fey but still i feel like there's this lack of nuance it's not like okay well what in society is making them behave that way which like we can see like we can see like the fat shaming from like their parents and all of that stuff but yeah i mean if the girl if girls do something that's mean like boys can be mean and come back from it right like mm-hmm. i mean i'm not mean i mean i'm not mean whatever that's not what's important about me what's important for boys and that's you know definitely worth talking about is like are you performing your masculinity but if girls are mean it's like People get so upset because it's like they're seeing something that's really ugly. Like, I'm in therapy. Most of my friends are in therapy because, yay, destigmatization. And, like, so many of us talk all the time about, like, how we're working through, like, trying not to have to be so nice and non-confrontational and capitulate to whatever everyone else wants. Um, Because it's just, that's just 
culture. That's culture for women. Right. They they try to make these girl problems, in quotes, girl problems, as just something that's like inherent in teenage girls or women, rather than being something that's like triggered by a patriarchal society where women are devalued and put into boxes of like, you're either nice, nice, or you're slutty or catty or mean. Mean girls, those girls are just in a vacuum. Uh, we, we don't see their relationship with any men. Like the boys are all fine. We don't see anyone's father. All the male teachers are just kind of fine and wishy-washy, except one that's having sex with teenagers, which we don't really get that much into. Yeah, that's that's not even a side plot. It's just, uh, it's mentioned a couple times. Yeah, we don't see patriarchal forces at all coming from actual men that might develop any bad behaviors. We only see Regina George is like cool mom, who's yet another like problematic woman. We don't see their boyfriends putting women down. The boyfriends are all just, you know, whatever that boy's name is. Aaron Samuels. I don't remember. That's the actor, I think. Um, okay. I, the study I already mentioned concluded there's no gender differences in either using or being the victim of indirect aggression. Like men or boys and girls use indirect aggression or relational yeah. um, aggression. It's negatively correlated with age. So it's not about being a girl. It's about being like an adolescent. Yeah, yeah. We have the spice that women should always be nice and care about each other's personal lives and always be supportive and always be sensitive and always be nurturing and always be giving. And men can be like, well, a lot of different things. They can just be whatever in as far as relationship goes. They don't have to be nice. They don't have to be sensitive. They can even be like jerky. And we're still like, you're fine. That's chill. Um, Marlo Thomas has a good quote that sums this up. And your dad and I know her from this thing called Free to Be You and Me yeah. when we were With a kid. With Mel Brooks. And Zoe, you might know her as Rachel's mom on Friends. Rachel Green's oh. mom. That's Marlo yeah. Thomas. Uh, she has a quote that said, a man has to be Joe McCarthy to be ruthless. All a woman has to do is put you on hold. <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe there should be a self-help book for adults called Girls Are Human with humans with complex emotions and relationships and just let them fucking live. That's a long title. <laughs> I mean, why do girls have to be nice to everyone? Boys aren't held to that standard. If one boy, if there's a boy in a movie and he's nice to everyone, then he's the hero and a leader. And But he also doesn't have to be nice to everyone to be the hero. But girls are held to that standard. Like, And also think about this, of course, who really benefits when all young women are pressured to be nice to everyone, keep their anger in check, focus on the feelings of everyone else's rather than their own wants and needs. Who's benefiting from that? Men. (laughs) And definitely a society that gets by on the unpaid labor of women, but I don't have to go there right now. So can girls be bullies? Definitely. That's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but sure. I'm not (laughs) saying they're not bullies, but I'm saying adolescence is hard. And people, young people are struggling with like very real issues that aren't just about being a girl, but could be coming from their family, their health, anything. There's lots of real issues that young people deal with, but they're still young people trying to sort themselves out and they are not inherently responsible for like internalized misogyny. And all girls don't have to be nice all the time. Sometimes maybe girls are going to be mean for, they're going to go through a mean phase or or they're going to make mistakes or they're going to put, you know, their fear of being left out ahead of their friend they had since second grade. Like these are things that people go through in this time. But the reason that people get so freaked out about it is because they want girls to be nice. To never feel anything bad. 
Right, to even be caught with thoughts or secret writing or, or private like conversations. Like, right, like you can, you shouldn't even have private conversations that aren't nice. It feels <laughs> so much like this like internalized misogyny that honestly, okay, so, so dear listeners, we, you cannot judge us for this because we were in a pandemic and we were really running low on entertainment options. We were reading Twilight out loud to one <laughs> another uh, because we're weird. Um, I think Zoe was reading Twilight to us. But yeah, I, I don't feel like the pandemic uh, explains why you're watching The Bachelor. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I, I could go off about that for a long time, but I, That's I will fine. focus she on Twilight. She can watch it. Um, it. Was The Bachelor based on a true story? <laughs> it's not a true story at all. <laughs> but we could, okay, Twilight. The, the thing that we realized about Twilight, I mean, like I read that when I was, what, like eight, I was like super into it. Um but what we realized reading it oh my god that makes me sound like (laughs) such a bad mom i remember when you bought the first twilight book at the the strand in new york it was in new york um but that's the appropriate age to think that twilight is good after that (laughs) you know it kind of drops off but it is so so rife with internalized misogyny because uh, bella's not not like other girls right and every other girl is depicted as just like this like crazy chatterbox obsessed with boys or or even if they aren't obsessed with boys even if they're just like i have a crush on a boy the way that the text interprets that is so negative and it's so like because it's all from bella's point of view it's like all the boys here love me but i'm i don't like any of them and thus i'm pure and i mean i think that comes yeah. from uh what's her name who wrote twilight like having a really religious background and like a kind of conservative background and you can see it in the text and it makes me wonder about the woman who was um writing the book that mean girls is based on that we've been talking about rosalind just because it, it i think she is a feminist and maybe just an early 2000 late 90s feminist yeah. you know who's really trying to i think she wants to help girls i just think uh, blaming Maybe teenage she girls like them <laughs> well her thoughts about it aren't you know they're kind of like old and i think this book is more about like girls we should take them seriously what they're doing it's it hurts them it hurts them being mean hurts girls but it's not something like being mean is just some kind of weird girl thing it's just a person thing and and you, adolescents are going through hard times and sometimes they're going to be mean because it's hard it's hard to go through that it's a crazy crazy time Right, and structures do happen, but I, yeah, I don't think it's like a universal thing about women. I've, I've known women, I've known teenage girls, and sometimes girls are mean in friend groups, and usually it's just because of like whatever they're personally going through at the moment, in my experience. And like, yeah, sometimes I guess, I mean, and I can't speak for like the like public high school experience, maybe structures are more likely to happen there, but like, Honestly, in my experience, yeah, it's just like people going through shit. It's not like I'm a banker and that's my personality innately since right. I was a child. Like, right. And and I think it shows with this. Um, these are the rules of being a girl in our in our clique. These are the rules you have to abide. And then showing the behind the scenes that girl just has like needs a lot of order in her life. Right. So I think the movie is actually really fun and I love a lot of the actresses and it's it's fun I just think it needs to be you know people can can add this to their contextualization of the movie and if they watch the movie again like 
Let <laughs> girls be mean sometimes, just like boys can be mean sometimes. Right. It's allowed to just be a story of people doing these things and not indicative of every girl dynamic everywhere. Right. Girls' relationships can be amazing and good and sometimes bad and hurtful because it's those are relationships and that's how relationships can be sometimes. And feelings get hurt and it sucks. And it's also not something that means girls are like inherently uh, troubled <laughs> and mean. Dad, what have you got for us? Oh. Uh, is it more stuff about the weather? Am I, am I on the spot here? Um, there's nothing in here about the weather. Aw. Uh, We're on a weather roll. I'm not even sure how far back in history I can go here. You know what? I can go all the way back. All right. <laughs> the history of all the way. I mean, I, I looked into burn books, uh, the burn books from the movie. Ooh. Yeah. And, and the history of that. And as far as I was able to find out the first reference to a burn book, and thank you, Heather, I had a pretty hard time finding uh, burn book information. I just kept, it kept coming up with uh, Nazis and burning books and, <laughs> uh, until you said, Aww. until you said, dude, just look it up under slam book. <laughs> and, oh, slam, slam book. book. Cause you're slamming them. You're slamming uh, people. And I guess that is the more. Why would they ever common, change the name? That's the more common name of, uh, of what people have called them since. The first mention I could find was in 1922 in the vocabulary of jazzdom. Zoe's face was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And and then you hit me with jazzdom, and I am I'm flabbergasted. See, I'm flabbergasted. I, for our listeners out there, jazz hands. Uh, I do not have all this memorized. I'm referring to notes, so I can't see Zoe's face. <laughs> when I can see Heather's face, she's right across the room. But you don't double screen it. Zoe's you a don't color. do half your screen. My face. You just cover me up with your notes. I see where your priorities lie. Yes, my priorities are on my notes right now. Sorry, girl. <laughs> Don't be a hater. It's we're gonna have some apology. I'm days gonna write about you this. down in my yeah. slam book right now. <laughs> so, in the vocabulary of jazzdom, it is defined as a diary in which you knock your friends. So, um, knockbook. So, oh, I didn't even look at knockbook. Oh no, I probably missed some information. Knockbook was. Uh, Can you imagine? 1908. Like, there's a reference. I'm gonna write a. I'm gonna write in a book bad things about my friends, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it around. Page. Yeah. The concept of it is a collaborative notebook, uh, usually starts with a question, and then you pass it around. Who's the stanky? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. You can have uh, Mean Girls style listings of, uh, you know, anonymous, you know, burns of usually students. Uh, it's usually passed around schools. Uh, you know, or it could be, it could be nice things. There's no reason it has to be mean. It's called a slam book. It's called a slam book. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But... I, isn't something she slammed her slam, so nice i feel like the word slam is sometimes <laughs> used in like like cooking like with burgers or something slam. no no oh it's a grand slam there you for positive denny's denny's grand uh. and that's good so okay uh so uh then in 1928 uh the central new jersey home news called it a new fad among new brunswick high school students uh in 1930, there was an article that attempted to make an argument that slam books could be a great thing for humanity. And uh, I got a quote from it. It's, uh, okay, 
Psychology, industry, and the ghastly exposure to the late war have changed the Victorian era's faux veneer of sentimentality and taboos. We have learned the price of sentimentality. The youngsters of today are facing life and themselves as is. Mm. So it's, it's attempting to argue that uh, rather than just sit on everything, we should share it and, uh, you know, I guess uh, lay everything to bear, blow everything up and let the chips fall where they may. Except that I, I feel like that would only really work if you're standing up and being yourself and saying things. But a slam book is anonymous and you're not, you're, you're hiding behind your anonymity still. So it's the internet. They're, <laughs> they're like, these kids have been so jaded by World War One that now they're mean to each other and that's better. Well, <laughs> well, everything's better than World War One. Let me tell you. Well, or they're saying, you know, like, Let's have some real talk, but how real is it if you're if it's you don't know your friend who's saying it? It's just some kind of well, random person and let me saying say, it if anonymously. There's a book that's, if there's a book that's circulated around where like people are just like saying meaner and meaner like funny but mean things about each other, that doesn't necessarily beget honesty. It's right. not like oh, oh I right, just yeah. really needed a chance to like let out my feelings about this really like shitty person. It's probably like, oh, who can have like the best one up? That's not just like being real. <laughs> and that article was, was written well before the internet when we had enough data points to show that when people are anonymous, uh, most of it is bullshit. And terrible. It, it kind of shows that uh, it's been around for a while. Uh, right, cave paintings. And yes, yes. From cave paintings to jazz, to <laughs> high school, to post-Victorian era. And then in 1948, um, I'm going to talk for a little bit about some true crime. This is not a true crime <gasps> podcast, so I'm not going to go into we sure. gory details. But We're still early into this podcast. We could yeah. make a switch. We could still. I mean, we started with Jaws. <laughs> well, okay. Was, is it crime if you're a shark? So the people who... Are listening to this episode are assuming that we are not a true crime podcast. So if your sensibilities are such that you don't want to hear about this, you can fast forward about five minutes right now, uh, and we'll just pick it up with more interesting stuff about the inspiration behind Mean Girls. Uh, for those who are still listening, on December 10th, 1948, uh, there was a 12-year-old girl in Pittsburgh named Carol Lee Kensinger. Uh, she was mixing batter for cake in the kitchen in the evening. And uh, uh, it was never fully solved. I mean, they, they don't have a, uh, someone arrested for it. They don't know who did it. But as far as what was done, uh, she was stabbed 36 times. <gasps> a 12-year-old girl making cake? 12-year-old girl crap. making cake. Holy shit. A blood trail going from the mixer in the kitchen to the telephone stand in the dining room. And okay. that's where her body mm -hmm. was. Okay, so she's trying to call somebody. She was. Uh, the uh, The phone receiver was still in her hand, which was almost hacked off. No, like, that's too much. Like she uh, she reached she reached for the phone. She got the receiver off, but the person did not want her making the call. Okay, okay. Is this related to Mean Girls? It's related to Slam Books. Oh no! I I, I just <laughs> you just wanted to tell the story. <laughs> I was looking for history on slam books, and it was I was looking at newspaper articles, and this was just an article next to it that happened on the no. same day. So I just thought I'd talk about it. Uh, no, uh, her parents were out bowling, and 
had locked the doors behind her and told her, don't open the door for strangers. There was no forced entry. Uh, so she knew. the assumption was that she knew her killer. Um, and her brother was suspected. Researched, he, he had no alibi, uh, no solid alibi. Uh, and he was, he was arrested, no conviction. They couldn't, uh, uh, and he ended up suing for wrongful prosecution and then countersued by, uh, I, I think, a private investigator that delivered this information to the police. Um, uh, he, he sued the investigator for accusing him. And the investigator sued him for I don't know, slander or defamation or something like that, uh, you know, professional damage. Um, Big old sue fest. And I don't know how that all uh, how that all came out, but um, but he was not. They they didn't pin it on him. Uh, fingerprints were wiped clean all over the place, so mm. somebody tried to clean up, which makes me think if it were the brother. And if he were thinking clearly, he would understand, of course, his fingerprints are everywhere, so he shouldn't worry about that. In his own house. Right. Unless right. there were fingerprints in the blood. Right. Um, then, you know, then you, you don't want that. You're going to, you're going to, I don't know. Makes sense. Clean that. Yeah. Um, but there was lots of physical evidence. In addition to all of the stuff I just described, there was skin and hair, and, uh, hair under her fingernails. There was a bloody footprint on the rear stairs. What decade is this? Did they have the like 50s. DNA testing? No. Oh, this, was, this was 1948. Oh, 48. Uh, the killer clearly got blood on them. So somewhere out there, there's clothes with blood on them. Uh, and the FBI was, was given all this info. The FBI was on it. Uh, it, uh, it became a big story in uh, time-honored uh, uh, pretty white girl syndrome. Uh, it, it got in all the papers. And uh, the FBI couldn't do anything with it. They 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 couldn't solve it. Nowadays, there'd be all kinds of DNA stuff going on, and and uh, at least they could compare against the brother and rule him out or or convict him. It would be a match or not. Um, but in their investigation, uh, detectives found a slam book with its cover missing in a garbage can behind the Kensinger house, uh, and there mm. there were bloody footprints on the back stairs. Oh. There was no blood on the book. But it had its cover ripped off. Oh, uh, so mm. hard to tell from that. Uh, the detectives claimed that it belonged to one of Carol's friends. Carol's friends said it belonged to Carol, and uh, the most recent handwriting in it on the last page it matched Carol's. Uh, so it, I don't know. It was either hers or because they're passed around. She was the most recent one to have it, and it. That maybe these don't actually belong to anybody, but did someone kill her for writing something new? Oh, maybe. go on. Uh, maybe maybe the cover being ripped off. Maybe it wasn't just the cover. The cover and the first page. Maybe you can't tell. Hard, I, I don't know. Uh, but the detectives, for as high profile cases this was, it seemed like they were very dismissive of a lot of stuff. Um. They dismissed the slam book, saying it. Uh, they found nothing to help them, and it was all, quote, kid stuff, end quote. Um, <laughs> which, I don't know, maybe if they had a little perspective, maybe that kid stuff was something that a kid would murder over. Uh, but that, I that mean, the that police many stab, stab wounds is, like, personal. It's oh, totally yeah. personal, right? I mean, there, no one's going to kill a 12-year-old girl out of some kind of practical attempt to gain something some kind of cold like the mafia yeah yeah it, it, it's a right and since it had to be someone she knew probably because of the door thing 
Right. Or someone she could have trusted, like someone dressed up like a police officer or, right. or something like that, uh, uh, that could get her to open the door, but, but probably somebody she knew. Yeah. Um, in following up, they only questioned boys because they assumed a boy had to be, had to, had to do the stabbing. And then only the juvenile delinquent boys, not hmm. the good boys of town. Wow. They didn't want to insult people by questioning the good boys. So they never solved it. Wow. Uh, and the, uh, the slam book may have been that, uh, that piece of evidence that they could have followed mm-hmm. uh, to find this, uh, you know. Right, like that's like motive looked. galore. Yeah. I mean, that wraps up the true crime portion of our podcast. If you're not listening, you can restart now. <laughs> After that, you know, I was able to find, I was able to find a, a lot of anecdotes. People on, uh, you know, boards, discussion groups, stuff all over the internet, uh, asking very similar questions. Uh, basically, hey, do you remember that short-lived fad uh, back in the day when everyone was doing slam books and then suddenly weren't doing them anymore? Um, and 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 the messages, the the questions, they're all very similar, but they all refer to different time periods. Oh, that, so everyone, it's probably because it was during a certain age for them, and then when they grow out of that age, right, right. It's you know, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties. It's usually from about sixth to ninth grade, and then the concept mysteriously goes out of vogue. And maybe it actually didn't, but maybe it did. Maybe um, it's a fad in this place at that time, and then a different place at a different time, and now the internet is all places at once, so it all comes together. Or maybe, uh, like in the movie, at the end of the movie, maybe they outgrow it and the younger people pick it up and they start doing it, but it's not part of your story anymore. Did you ever have a slam book in your history, Brian? No, no. When I was, I think the the first time I ever saw a slam book, it was called uh, uh, the stall wall in a bathroom, <laughs> uh, but never an actual book. No, I never had. Did you ever have a? No, no. I never saw that. I didn't hear either. about it until this movie. Same. Yeah. 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 Um, um, I was homeschooled, so I didn't know. <laughs> you humans. passed it to yourself. I didn't know other humans. <laughs> we just. Ha- I I wrote mean thing. It was me in my diary reading writing mean things about my parents. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That was it. My mom is such a slut it's bag. My <laughs> <laughs> a slut faced hoe bag. <laughs> Which also, God, the dialogue. It's like I really like this movie, and but. Now that I think, like, that's not how anyone's ever spoken. <laughs> that's not human language. Uh, and memories of the content uh, seem to vary quite a bit. Uh, some people had the nastier ones. Some people had the ones where the question asked is, what is your favorite food or your favorite movie? And they were just uh, just books that pass around uh, to, to talk about innocuous things. Uh, but uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, colon, Teens Talk High School has a chapter uh, about the mean version of this. Uh, so it was around enough to include yeah, in that book. those books. Yeah. Uh, bringing us to relatively present day, now stuff has moved to the internet. Uh, there's a lot of apps, um, and most of which are, are, are simply, I mean, it's the inevitable growth of being able to communicate and being able to be Anonymous, that there are apps that allow you to communicate anonymously. Some of them are geographically uh, 
subdivided. So now you're talking among people in your locality and you can be anonymous and you can say things about them and uh, whisper, secret, yik, yak. Uh, there's a bunch of apps. Uh, one is actually <laughs> called Burn Book. And I found a lot of articles about how horrible this is, a lot of petitions to have it shut down, uh, a lot of uh, people in communities complaining about problems it's caused, suicides, uh, lots, lots of issues. Um, and it's not there now. Okay. It, is, uh, it has been shut down. The, uh, the website for it, burnbookapp.com, uh, does not have a website on it. You can buy that domain for $2,095, uh, but it's not in use. Uh, what, what I have been unable to find, uh, and listeners, please write us, let me know, how exactly did it disappear? I will... Uh, oh, I, I was just going to say, I will admit something to you guys, which is that I have done one of those. Um, maybe Whisper? It's a... It was like a big thing, yeah, like around that time, like maybe 2016, it's like everyone like on Snapchat will, will like, you'll see your friends on Snapchat do it and they'll just be like, swipe up to send me an anonymous message of like what you think of me or something. Um, and when, and just everyone's doing it and it's almost all usually either nice stuff or people like being like, I secretly have a crush on you and I'm anonymous so I can tell you that right now. And I did it like maybe once or twice. I didn't, I thought it was kind of stupid and don't get like a ton of responses because it's only up for like a day and then your, your Snapchat story goes away. But, um, but I never got any mean stuff on it, but I, I definitely did see some people get like, not like awful hate stuff, but like, I think you're kind of fake, like anonymous <laughs> message. And they would post it. They would like share like that someone wrote I mean, I them. feel like it's definitely rife for that kind of, thing if you if it's really anonymous and there's someone that you don't like you can say all kinds of things sure and that is all there is to say about slam books all right thank you wow so they're a real thing they are still does that mean it's my turn no it's back to my turn again i gotta talk for another hour i I think (laughs) film mom gets to talk some more no go ahead (laughs) so this was tina Fey's first ever screenplay uh, but obviously she had been doing stuff with SNL for a long time. Um, and yeah, like I said, like Paramount was wary about having this be too SNL-y. So at first they really like didn't want to cast um, Amy Poehler or Tim Meadows because they're like, that's just too many <laughs> SNL people in this. And um, But she fought for for Amy Poehler and Tim Good. Meadows. And I mean, like, I can't imagine this movie without Amy Poehler. Um, yeah, they're both great. She apparently she mentored Amy Poehler mentored Kevin G on his rap, <laughs> um, helping him write it and like choreograph uh, some of his movements. That's awesome. Um, and you know how uh, Tim Meadows in it is walking around with, he says he has like carpal tunnel. He just broke his hand before filming and they had to like write it <laughs> yeah, into the has, script. Like uh, he, yeah. He has a cast on, right? Tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, well, okay, so I love the ages in this movie. <laughs> so so do you want to, like, venture a guess at, like, the age differences between Amy Poehler, Rachel McAdams, and Lindsay Lohan? 
Okay, I think Lindsay Lohan was basically age appropriate for the movie. Maybe a little older. Maybe she was like 18 playing a junior or something. Uh, I think Rachel McAdams was older, maybe 23, 24. And you said Amy Poehler? Yeah, who plays her mom. Yeah. So 32. You're very, very, very close. Um, yeah, Lindsay Lohan was 17. She was age appropriate. Rachel McAdams was eight years older than her, <laughs> so 25. And Amy Poehler was only seven years older than her on-screen daughter, <laughs> Rachel McAdams. So I got one So right. technically, those two were closer in age than Lindsay Lohan was to Rachel McAdams. Um, Rachel McAdams was originally... Uh, Okay, so originally they wanted Lindsay Lohan for Regina. Um, this movie was directed by the Mark Waters, who also did the 2003 Freaky mm. Friday, starring okay. Lindsay Lohan. Um, but like before that came out, he wanted her for Regina. She had a super fun time like looking at the role. She thought it was going to be super great. Um, but then Freaky Friday came out and suddenly she had like this image and they were like, that is not going to fly. She can't play a Regina George now. She has to be like the the good girl. Um, and so they they switched her over to play Katie, um, which she was like apparently like disappointed. But then she was like, well, I'll have more. Li I'm like the lead now. Um, but they were looking. Yeah, they wanted her for Regina. They also wanted Amanda Seyfried for Regina, which we talked about, but Rachel McAdams ended up winning out. And then they were like, well, who's going to play the dumb one? But they loved Amanda Seyfried so much that they were like, okay, well, let's have, we still want her in the cast. They're both so good. Um, they're so good. So good. Um, the uh, Jonathan Bennett, who played the the cute boy, what Aaron Samuels, that's the, that is the character name. Yeah, because Jonathan Bennett is the actor yeah. name. Well, so apparently Tina Fey liked him because he quote unquote looked like Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> what? <laughs> and that that was a plus in her book. Um, slam book. But he, yeah, but he, he'd never right in your slam book looks soccer. like Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> is that good or bad? His character is supposed to be like this like soccer star. Like that was his his thing, right? In the movie is that he's super good at soccer. He'd never played soccer at all. And he was actually so bad at it that they had to get in a soccer coach just to teach him how to kick the ball because it looked so bad. <laughs> and he couldn't do oh, it. Oh, baby. Um, and he was like that. I'd never played soccer before and I never did again. <laughs> um, but you know what he did do was release a thing called the... Oh, gosh. What is it called? I'm looking at my notes too. It was called the burn cookbook or something it was he was just burn about me burn toes yeah, the burn cookbook <laughs> burnt catfish and so tina fey named a bunch of the people after like people in real life so katie was named after her college roommate uh she was studying drama at the university of virginia and so that was named after her roommate but also like has ties to elizabeth katie stanton um and Okay, do you guys remember You Go, Glen Coco? Yes, I do know about that. That's like a whole meme. <laughs> you Go, That's Glen like Coco. A whole meme and everything. Right. So, Glen Coco does not, he's just, the back of his head appears in one scene, but it's such a meme. And Glen Coco was a real guy 
from it's Tina Fey's older brother's like good huh. friend who's a film editor <laughs> in LA. And so he's not like visually recognized from the movie, but he has to go around and be like, my actual full real name is Glenn Coco. It's <laughs> um, a good name. Sure. Jan Janice Ian, also a real person. Right, she's a singer. Um, yeah, she was like or the musician. first uh, SNL musical guest ever. And she's openly a lesbian, which I think is really funny that they made uh, the Janice Ian and Mean Girls be like, ugh, lesbians. <laughs> um, but yeah, she like won a Grammy. She's a real person. Um, the some fun little trivia stuff the uh there's a song like at the dance that katie's like oh i actually recognize this song that is a song that was um also by a lesbian um samantha ronson who's like Lindsay lohan's good oh, friend yeah. there's a lot <laughs> of gossip at the time about whether Lindsay the lohan's were dating good friend there are was, you good friending them there was like a lot of there was a lot of shit at the time and they were like really not wanting to talk about it to the press or the paparazzi at all. So I don't want to label them because okay. there was like a ton of rumors and, but yeah, possibly air quotes, okay. good friend. Um, and yeah. And also they had to cut like a lot of stuff to let it have a PG 13 rating. That was a real struggle. Um, th th some of the stuff they had to change, like in the original, uh, Gretchen is caught like giving Jason a blowjob. There is a line, um, Amber D'Alessio gave a blowjob to a hot dog. They changed it to <laughs> right. me out, which is like kind of yeah. crazier, <laughs> actually. <laughs> think about it. I mean, don't think about it too much. You're my daughter, but are, if it's a, if you're just making out, are you holding the hot dog like vertically and just kissing this, the hot dog? Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I like that's that's one of the things where they made it more. Maybe weird. there's a way. It's more weird. You're could, this weird. We could sculpt a hot dog to be like lips, and then you kiss. Oh yeah, you'd sure. have to be a talented I also sculptor. Don't like that. <laughs> um. There was a big fight because they they wanted them to get rid of the whole joke about having a wide set. <laughs> That's such a good. Um, That's so good. It's such a good. It's such yeah. a good joke, and they and they really wanted them to cut that to get no. that PG thirteen rating. But they but Tina Fey was like uncompromising. She was like, "No, this is a double yeah. standard because Anchorman had a PG thirteen rating, and they made jokes that were just as raunchy and talked about stuff in the same way, but because." But like when it's women talking about women's anatomy, right. then it's yeah. more controversial. And she Yay. won that fight and was able to keep awesome. that in the movie, which yeah. I'm really glad. Joke. Yeah. Amy Poehler put a cocktail wiener in her bra so that the dog would be interested <laughs> and keep biting it, which I think is great. That sounds so fun. Um, she did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm the cool mom. She's such a star. Um, and. On a on a light, a good note, um, Daniel, I'm going to butcher his name, Daniel Franzese, the guy who played Damien, um, he came out like a decade after that. He was, he was gay, but in the closet or maybe hadn't realized it yet while they were filming, but he said that like playing that character like helped him figure it out. Um, oh, that's nice. So Daniel, not really too gay sweet. to function. No, like he functioned. It actually helped him function. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so there's no there's no sequel. There's no plan for a sequel. Tina Fey was like, that. it would be stupid. They're high schoolers. Everyone's old. 
like <laughs> there's it's not going to happen but they did have a broadway right. version yes. broadway musical and tina fey like wrote the or co-wrote the book for it um and she won a drama desk award for outstanding book of a musical they got 12 tony yeah, nominations i was planning to wow. actually to listen to, to that it, because but... it, it sounds like what i heard about that is they kind of update some of the feminism a little and it's a little better yeah i've i heard that too i've heard a few of the songs it sounds lovely it again um actually seems a lot like (laughs) heather's musical um like even there's a little less uh fewer synths maybe but um uh, for listeners zoe was in heather's the musical at at my at my acting summer camp yes i was i played pink haired girl in the ensemble yeah you're like the Um, first uh teen or or young yeah the test run of the high school version yeah they oh everyone's gonna hate this if any of you uh watched riverdale they did the version that they did on riverdale which is the high school edited um censored version that just makes all the lyrics worse and more embarrassing uh i pioneered that i was in the first ever production to like test that um so I maybe I should have done worse in that show so that they did not um, <laughs> tell Riverdale. It, people people are all kind of uh, make a lot of fun now about that version, the teen version of Heather's, because of some of the changes they made to not be explicit right. um, are just so stupid. But listening to Mean Girls the Musical, it did. I think it definitely used Heather's the Musical as a as a template, but I think that's fair because Mean Girls the Movie, I think, somewhat used Heather's the Movie as a template. Stay true to your roots. <laughs> um, and I haven't seen the whole thing, but when Broadway opens back up, uh, it would definitely be a fun outing. Um, that's most of that's most of my uh, trivia. There's a there's a couple things like that aren't trivia they're just parts of the movie but that people might have missed like there's a couple clever uses of foreshadowing about the bus oh yeah on her first day katie doesn't check the road and then she says when she's talking about how she likes aaron she says this one hit me like a big yellow school bus (laughs) um that's pretty good also do you guys get the lebanese joke uh that they said she was lebanese there's instead of lesbian Near the end, yeah, Janice says something about how she's Lebanese. And if you if you think about it and you go back through, you realize that that is almost certainly how the lesbian rumor got started, is that she said she's uh. Lebanese <laughs> and it got twisted right. through the grapevine into oh, she's speaking, a lesbian. Um, uh, and that's, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, speaking of, of nationalities, uh, for, for Katie, they only ever say that she's from Africa. But at one point, she says a word in a foreign language to some black girls sitting in the cafeteria. And I'm wondering, trivia girl, if you found out what word was that, what language, what region of Africa would that map to? I absolutely don't know. And I honestly doubt that. It says Kenyan. movie... It's okay. Jambo, Jambo, I'm not sure. It's Jambo. Is one of the most common words you will hear, hear spoken throughout Kenya. It's a Swahili greeting, often the first word learned by visitors to Kenya. That is cool. This movie's not like a hundred percent with oh, racial no, stuff no. either. Um, it's maybe not even eighty percent with racial Mm-mm, stuff. No, um, unfortunately. But yeah, it's funny because I think this is one of the movies that's very white from 
that era that people my age now still like really like and really like don't in my experience critically examine that much they just like love the aesthetic even of burn but i mean like i don't know if you guys keep up with ariana grande stuff but she released a, a music video that was all burn book mean girls inspired and like all of that like people will people still really like this movie and quote it and we have the new musical and it's funny to me because i think a lot of the other kind of more problematic movies or like trying to be progressive but actually are pretty problematic movies from the early 2000s uh people talk about how they don't really hold up now and I've always sort of felt that with Mean Girls but everyone just kind of loves it I still I mean I think it's very it's a funny movie it's fun mostly the acting performances are you know come in clutch Rachel McAdams especially and Amanda Seyfried like well that's the thing it can be but I feel like it is enjoyable and funny and very quotable and you should be able to talk about the ways that it's problematic yeah yeah like saying she comes from africa i I mean you know like she was homeschooled in africa and we don't know if she just if it was kenya or maybe her parents moved all around all throughout africa and that's why they said africa because maybe they didn't live in one place um but yeah that's it was there's also like the stuff with like hot asians and but i think that yeah I'm glad that we I'm glad that we did this movie and that we talked about it because it is one of those ones that's so like it's so big now and it's so referenced all the time. Um and it definitely was one where when I was younger I was very like, Oh, Janice is so cool and like Janice and Damien, I love them, like they're the cool outsiders and like upon repeat viewing, I think I have a lot a much more nuanced understanding. Well, of I that's what I would say <laughs> is like going on there. maybe Janice is kind of like the unpopular mean girl, but maybe it's not a huge deal if she's a little bit mean. I mean it's not nice. Right. Maybe maybe women shouldn't be expected to just be never have a negative. Right. Like let's expressed. hold a place for girls who are kind of crabby, who do kind of like, ah, fuck this, whatever. You know, like Daria or just different women who don't always have to make sure that everyone around them likes them. It's not okay to go around calling people dumb and whores or whatever. That's not, I'm not saying that's okay. I'm just saying women are allowed to be, women and girls are allowed to be complex and hold a lot of different feelings at different times. And to, that should be allowed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my main takeaway that I'd like. That's the moral moral of this, this episode. All right. Um, all right, yes, wait uh, yeah. at the end and hear Brian's new song, Popular Table. Like Film Fam, inspired by true events, subscribe to hear more stories that inspired our favorite films. For photos and links from the show and other shenanigans, follow us on Instagram at filmfampodcast, on Twitter at filmfam underscore podcast, or on Facebook at filmfam inspired by true events. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or films whose inspiration you'd like us to explore, you can email us at filmfampodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you all for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye. I'm sitting at the popular table today. Everyone wanted me to stay. Everyone wanting to be me when they see me sitting at the popular table today. Ready to cash that cachet. Ready to make my way. Cause I have finally cracked the causation.
situation The perfect gambit for this situation Here we go, here we go, South Here's all you gotta do Take it slow, take it slow, South This all depends on you Keep cool, see it through Wait and see, easy peasy You walk up nice and chill Flowing free with your D&D And unicycle skill Head up, taste the thrill From now on, it's all down And I'm sitting down And I'm looking up And I'm sitting at the popular table today Everyone wanted me to stay Everyone wanting to be me When they see me sitting at the popular table today Ready to cash that cachet Ready to make my way And being here is like, well, it's so zen It's next gen Like I've been waiting for them To call in the bullpen You know your prayers are heard when It's on then, so amen I must be popular Still popular Cause I'm sitting at the popular table today Everyone wanting me to stay Everyone wanting to be me When they see me sitting at the popular table today Ready to cash that cachet Ready to make my way Because I'm popular!